Hello and welcome to another episode of the Detox Podcast, a culture and conversation podcast where you can detox from the world around you and get a window into how other people live their lives. Come detox with detox. I'm your host, Joe Shaw, and on today's episode, I have my very good friend, Matt Halk, on the podcast. Matt and I have been trying to get this episode recorded for a couple years now. Schedules never aligned, and even despite COVID-19 hitting, we were able to get this episode recorded. I'm very excited for you to hear it. Matt is a really great guy who's doing a lot of stuff to give back to the community. Uh, We talk about that, his business Empire Toys, as well as his newest venture, Mindfully Elite, some of his background, some of his growing up, a little focus on parenting. There's a lot of great stuff baked in that I think you're going to enjoy. And I am very excited for this to be the episode where I get to announce to everyone that we are adding a sponsor to the podcast. Empire Toys, yes, Empire Toys that Matt Halk owns is joining Snuffy as the official sponsors of the Detox Podcast. Let me tell you a little something about Empire Toys. Nostalgia is something everyone loves, and Empire Toys in Keller, Texas is on nostalgia overload. With toys and action figures from the 70s, 80s, 90s, and today, Empire Toys is a one-stop shop for a trip down memory lane and a chance to reclaim what was once yours but likely sold at a garage sale. Check out Empire Toys on Facebook, Instagram, or at TheEmpireToys.com. I think you're really going to enjoy this conversation. I'm excited for you to hear it. And if this is your very first time at the Detox Podcast, we welcome you. If it is your hundred and whatever time, we also welcome you. If you like the episode and you like the show, be sure to subscribe, rate, and review the podcast on your platform of choice. Share it with a friend. It's free. We're just trying to take 45, 50, a little bit of minutes out of your day to give you a chance to detox and hear a perspective from someone else. So with that, stay tuned. My episode with Matt will be right up after this. What's going on? My name is Joe Shaw, and I host the music podcast After the Encore. After the Encore is a long-form, career retrospective podcast that takes you behind the music of some of your favorite artists. Musicians like John Oates of Holland Oates, Chris Kirkpatrick of NSYNC, Jarrett Reddick of Bowling for Soup, and many others. Each season of the podcast is themed around a different topic, like the boy bands of the 90s, badass women in music, or even artists that were featured on the TV show, The Voice. I am committed to taking you deep inside an artist's mind to find out why they do what they do, what does music mean to them, and how do they quantify success. We tell an overarching story which will take you not only behind the music, but into the psyche of the artists themselves. After the Encore is a proud member of the Roberts Media Group podcast family, Check us out on any of your favorite podcast platforms today.
Welcome back to the Detox Podcast. With me at this time is a dear, dear old friend. I feel like all the time lately I'm bringing back old friends from my life into the podcast. It's it's a it's a this is your life now, uh, but with other folks. And so Matt Halk, welcome to the podcast. How are you doing, Matt? I'm doing fantastic. I'm so excited. Uh, we've been trying to do this interview for I would I think about two years. And yeah, yeah, since you started, really. Yes, yeah. So I mean, and it's just been like, let's do it, absolutely. And then nothing ever seemed to work out. Then there was a global pandemic, all of that. But here we are, finally, finally making it happen. And I want to ask a question right off the top. And here at the Detox Podcast, we're you know inviting people to detox from the world around them and just kind of set their lives aside for a little bit, get a perspective they may not be familiar with to help make a more inclusive world. So Matt, I want to ask you, what are you detoxing from right now oh that's hard uh free time yeah does that count yes because i'm so busy i feel like i'm detoxing from free time um man that's a that's a hard one actually yeah i'm trying to be better about using my phone all the time how about that that's good which i'm sure everybody says right yeah but i'm trying it's i think it's so easy like i find myself it's i would say it's it's been easier lately than it uh, than it was probably towards the end of last year to not obsessively scroll through news stories and news feeds. Um, sure. It it feels like there's a little sense of normalcy. Um, I know that's that's maybe a little bit of a false sense of security, but it does feel like a lot of the shenanigans that perhaps were occupying most of my brain power have subsided for the for the moment. So it's easier, but I think it's so easy to get sucked in to anything on your phone and then look up and go, wow, um, it's been three hours and I'm still scrolling through a feed. What I really hate is when I'm on Instagram and it says, you're all caught up. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So my son, I've got a 14 year old and I'm trying to do the whole lead by example thing. Cause we're like, you're on your phone too much. You're right. Okay, cool. So I'm getting better at it, but we're trying. I hear you. It is not, it is not, um, the easiest thing to do, but you know, that's, that's what we're here to do is try and, you know, just talk through it and get an opportunity to detox away from all of that. For sure. And so absolutely, I want to, I think it's so interesting. So there's, there's kind of two points of view, uh, two topics that I want to cover in this episode. And what I think is really interesting about my, I, I, for the listeners who who are interested in how I know you, I'll give a little bit of background. So I used to play, I sort of used to play hockey with you. I really played hockey with your brother, Nathan. Um, we played together on a couple teams and then against each other a lot in high school. Yeah. Um, but I did play with you on like rec teams and, and yeah, yeah, you yeah. Know, we skated in the same circles instead of were in the same, yeah. it was a hockey joke. And, yeah, yeah. you know, and so one of the things I liked about you is you always seemed to me to be a very stand-up guy. And that you had a lot of integrity, and that you were somebody that folks wanted to gravitate to and line line up with and do great things together. And you know, I think, yeah, and you're welcome. And I think so. Oftentimes, you see folks and you see people like that, and you just kind of make a mental note and then go on your way and never know if your lives are going to intersect again at all. For sure. But then getting to stay connected on social media has been great because I've been able to see you 
build this one company that we're going to talk about, Empire Toys, and then also now you're starting another great company, Mindfully Elite. So I want to talk about both of those because I think they both play into the fact of folks wanting to do business with you, stand by you, because you've got integrity, you've got a vision, you've got a passion, and you're driven. And also the aspect of making a more inclusive world and allowing people to be their full authentic selves also plays into what you're doing with Mindfully Elite, which is allowing athletes to be the best that they can be in the best mentally healthy perspective that they can be because it's so difficult, I think, in sports. But but I want but let's start let's actually start a bit with Empire Toys because I, I want I want to spend some time <laughs> talking about how you even built Empire. What was the genesis of it? What was the motivation for it? And then kind of walk us through those different phases to where you are now in 2021. All right. Yeah. So, you know, we played a pretty big, like a uh, physical sport, tough guy sport, and it wasn't necessarily cool to be a nerd back then. Right. It was pre pre Marvel cinematic universe. Yep. So I, uh, um, you know, like I, you know, I was a pretty good athlete and, I wanted people to know me for that, not for the weird kid reading comic books and stuff. Right. But I started collecting toys when I was 10 um, and I still have them all. Like That's awesome. And so it was something that I was always super into. And then, you know, as we get older and we start making a little bit of our own money, like start investing in those things a little bit more. And so I kind of dove, I don't want to say dove head first because I was already pretty like pretty involved, but I started buying more for the personal collection and like more like, like uh, quality items, you know what I mean? Like more rare stuff. And then I kind of had the opportunity to pick up a really large lot of toys and I didn't need them. It kind of just fell in my lap and I was like, hmm. So I took those and I sold those on Instagram. That's what started the Empire Toys Instagram. So I sold those on Instagram and I was just using that profit to fund my personal collection. And then um, was just talking with one of my high school buddies, Chuck Mahoney, and kind of mentioned, like, I've been doing this. I would love to do this more. And he was like, I got a large collection from when I was younger. It's a store's worth of stuff. <laughs> and I said, I just trimmed my collection a third with the intent to sell to make money. Let's just do it. And then 30 days later, the doors were open. That's awesome. So, yeah. like, I think it. <laughs> that's so Random. random. Yeah, yeah. Just so random. And I love that. And this was so timeline. How, what year was this when you opened the store? The, the storefront opened two years ago this April. Okay. That's right. That's right. Yeah. But then I started the Instagram and kind of thinking about it from a seller perspective in 2014. Gotcha. But I didn't do much. It was like that first initial lot. And then I kind of bought a bunch of stuff for the collection and then didn't really mess with the Instagram. So there's probably like a year and a half, two year lull where there was just no posts on that Instagram until we kind of were like, okay, let's start really thinking about this as a brand. Yeah. It's interesting too, because I think in you, you find, so I, I, I want to go this way with it in a, in a world, in a world in which Toys R Us goes bankrupt and shuts down, right? These big mega toy companies that we grew up with, that this was where you went because you've got sellers like Amazon and others that you can just get new, the new toys online. I think it's interesting because you've got more collectible, more rare items, older items, hard to find items, and in a bunch of just random stuff too. Like I'm constantly, I mean, the geek in me, the nerd in me is scrolling through the feed to be like, what do they have now? What do they have now? What is it? What is it? And I'm seeing like 
like I, old Power Rangers stuff. Like I remember my my Green Ranger Tommy Fliphead morphing yeah, yeah. one. And so yeah. I'm constantly looking for stuff that reminds me of my childhood. So I think in a way, when you first have the idea of like, we're going to open a toy store, just like flat like that, folks are like, that seems like a terrible idea. But when you think yeah. about the era of retro vintage antique type stores, and you're also, you've got newer stuff and older stuff, and you've got kind of a, a mix of stuff, like whatever's going to get you in the door. And then while you're here, pick up a few other items is fantastic. And I mean, people are drawn to it. What has been one of the more interesting things that you've been able to acquire for the store? Um, And have you sold it? And if so, like what, like what was that process like for you? Yeah, that's a, that's a, that's actually a pretty tough question. So when we, we kind of have the mindset when we open the store, right? Like these are the things we're going to sell because it's the same. It's like, just like you're talking about, like I grew up on Ghostbusters and Ninja Turtles. Yes. So it was like, I want to sell those. And then Chuck grew up on Ninja Turtles and Power Rangers. So he's like, I want to sell those. And I'm diehard Star Wars. So I'm like, we got to sell those. Right. And then you have this like whole idea of what you're going to sell. And then, like you said, weird stuff comes through and changes the whole game plan. So we, uh, there's this really fantastic YouTuber named Pixel Dan. And he came in and filmed in the story. And he's got, I think it was like 35,000 views. He's got 290,000 followers. And these dudes from Mexico follow him that they're toy sellers in Mexico. And they follow him and they're like, yo, new toy store. That's not that far. They drove to Empire. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. And they, they came in and they were like, not much English. So it's like, let's lean on the little bit of, of knowledge we have in Spanish and navigate our way. Like we'll communicate via toys. <laughs> And they came in and they basically said that they buy and sell stuff in Mexico, but they can't get a lot of the good, just new American stuff. Mm. It's too expensive. And then they brought in these just incredible bootleg toys from Mexico. Like think about going to a flea market when you were younger and just the knockoff toys. Oh my gosh. They were incredible. Like masters of the universe, biker mice from Mars, Rambo, like just horrible blow mold stuff that if you would have told me three years ago, my favorite items in the store would have been bootleg Mexican toys. I'd have been like, no, it's going to be that $2,000 vintage star Wars toy. Right. And they came with this huge box. And I was like, I was a little hesitant. You know what I mean? I was like, luckily the stuff they wanted to trade for it. Like it made sense for both of us and they were happy. And we were kind of like, I don't know, man, like, are we going to sell this? And they're all gone. And it's brought like this really unique group of people that come in that can talk bootleg toys now. And we kind of almost created like this little like sub community of empire with people that want the stuff that you would buy at a flea market for a dollar. And now they're like, I'm going to pay you $400 for that item. <laughs> like it blew my mind, dude. Never would have expected it. And here we are. <laughs> that is the craziest story. You said biker mice from Mars. And I was like, oh my yeah. God, that yeah. just takes me right back. But it, but it's sure. so, it's so interesting. Like you were even talking about the like bootleg toys from Mexico. And I remember <clears throat> growing up, I had a friend who gave, who f- gave me these like, as like a birthday present. I remember he brought me these like, they looked like bootleg luchador wrestling toys. Yeah. And yeah. I loved the shit out of those. I mean, yeah. those are my favorite ones. And they had like, you know, belts that kind of look like the WWF belt, but just yeah. enough not. <laughs> Yeah, so after that day, it was kind of like, hey, let's have an open mind to everything that comes to the door. Yeah. Because, and then let's 
kind of think about like the kitschy aspect of it, mm-hmm. right? Like yeah. we want to be this super clean, fancy looking retail store that you walk in and you're like, like you said, oh my gosh, I remember that from my kid. Also, what the hell is that thing? Yeah. I want to know what that is, right? And so we're starting to get some of that stuff now and it's pretty been pretty fun. That's so cool. Like I just, uh, I seriously, like we're going to plug everything at the end, but I, all I do is scroll yeah. through the pictures of the social yeah, media be, and watch the, the lives as well, because I want to see like, what are, yeah. what are y'all selling? What are, what is it? What is the uniqueness? And I mean, I'm not even that into pops and y'all did like a, like a pop live a couple of weeks ago. And I was just obsessed trying to be like, what's the next one? What is the next one going to be? I got to see it. Yeah. Like this is, that's a, yeah, I mean that's a that's a funny story in its own. If you want to hear it about Funko stuff, oh yeah, let's do that because it's so popular. So, yeah, it is. It is. So Chuck is like a huge Funko guy. Like that was his vice. And when we were opening, it was like he brought all his stuff. I brought all my stuff and then some. And I was like, dude, like we open tomorrow, and we had three shelving units empty. And it was like we. I mean. We dug deep. We spent money we didn't have to buy collections to fill. It's like when I say like we didn't come in this and like we're gonna open a hundred thousand dollar toy store. It was like let's go dig around in our collections, right? Pay the first month's rent out of our pocket and just hope for the best. And so that night we're literally sitting on the floor of the store, like proud of what we just pulled off in thirty days, drinking a beer, going. There's three shelves. What the hell are we gonna do? Yeah. Like we'll tomorrow. We're gonna open with nothing. Right when you walk in the door, and he kind of looks at me. He's like. I mean, I could fill them, but you said no pops because I had this like firm, like no fun because I didn't know anything about them. They seemed like beanie babies to me. And I was that guy, you know, I'm the same. I get it. Yeah. I was like, no, no. And, but then at that point I was like, okay, yeah, we have to do it. We can't have, we can't have nothing. Right. And so we do it. And then that's almost what we're known for now. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. We have a full room in the store because it's kind of like an old house set up. So there's like different rooms. Mm -hmm. We have a full room that at any given moment has 500 Funko Pops. We probably have 2,000 in the back. We do a Facebook live sale every other Wednesday. That's 100% Funko Pops. We're shipping them all over the United States. We have big corporate for the Facebook live show. <laughs> and it's all Funko. And then and they love to remind me that I was like anti-Funko. And I shouldn't say anti-Funko. They love to remind me that I was fighting it, putting it in the store. And now it's... It's literally like we have people driving from all over coming here because they know we have this like incredibly rare piece from 2015 that's been out of print and they only made 500 of them. Right. You know what I mean? And it's like, it's almost my fault that we wouldn't have even had those. Like we would have been out of business now without those. Like we would have been having a whole different conversation. Right. right. <laughs> well, I think, you know, it's not, it's not hard to see because it does seem very, uh, very kitschy maybe maybe that's not quite the right word maybe it's more of oh, no, it's definitely kitschy. you know but i mean it seems it beanie babies is a perfect comparison because it does it did i still am sometimes like uh, i don't know about it but it's grown beyond even what it started as now um but it did seem very like this is going to fade out this is like folks are not going to care about this it's going to be in like just yeah exactly and then however it's just taken off in such popularity because now you've got it everybody's making one right and then of everything like the breaking bad funko pops and you've got bob ross and you've got of course the comic book characters i mean it's just all over and now people want to see their own characters 
made up in likeness. It, it almost feels like to me, somebody outside looking in, like it's almost like a rite of passage of like your favorite characters yeah. have gotten fun code, right? Sure. That's our goal. Yeah. That's our goal with the store is to be popular enough in pop culture that Funko wants to make pops of Chuck and I. That's awesome. Like that's no joke. That's our whiteboard goal in the back room. <laughs> I own, well, I think I've got one, two, three, maybe four pops, four pops in my office right now. And I don't want to get a fifth one unless it's me. That's you awesome. I mean? so, yeah. yeah, I'm with you on that one. I love that. What has been, because um, now I'm even like starting to think before we, we pivot and start sure. talking about Mindfully Elite, I want to probably, I want to ask uh, the question of like, because every time you're talking about this stuff and you're talking about like buying lots and whatever, all I think about is like watching Pawn Stars and like the dad like ne- yeah. negotiating and stuff. So yeah. when folks bring in their their stuff to sell, so I guess maybe a better question, first of all, is to say, do you still actively, um, maybe not solicit, but actively entertain selling offers and buying like buying offers like y'all buying someone's collection or pieces and if if so what has that process looked like now that you're two years from where you initially started yeah no we uh i would venture to say probably every day we buy something off the streets okay um now that we're a little bit more established we don't have to go out and actively hunt for stuff which is a blessing and a curse because that's like my favorite thing to do. Sure. But yeah, no, people bring us stuff, like I said, almost every day. Um, at first it was about, hey, we don't want to rip people off. Right. We want to make sure everybody leaves happy, but we have to maximize our profit yep. because we're brand new. Yep. And now it's, okay, cool. We're fine. Let's focus on the community. Let's let everybody know that, hey, we're probably going to pay more than everybody else because we're not thinking about the bottom dollar we're thinking about the collecting community i want you to go hunt the garage sales spend 15 dollars, and bring it to me and i buy it from you for a hundred dollars then maybe i sell it for 150 sure everybody's making money and that has kind of changed like the whole mindset because like we have people that will go and i'm not trying to talk negatively about any of the other stores by any means but everybody has their different method and we have people that will go and they'll try to sell stuff to other places and they get the pawn stars. Like, I want to buy that $10,000 item for a hundred bucks. Right. And we're like, Hey, we want to buy that $10,000 item for $6,000. Yeah. Like we want to survive and pay our bills and and feed our families, but we don't want to do it at the sake of completely ripping people off. Right. And I mean, that ties back into the integrity aspect we were talking about earlier is like, you know, it's, I think you get to a point in life where, well, I feel like you do like as a person, but perhaps not everybody is like this, but I feel like you get to a point in life where you're like, look, it's about relationships. It's about community. It's about family. Like these are the things that are important. Of course, I want to be able to pay the bills, feed the family, everything that's necessary. And I also want to be able to pay that back to the community so everybody can rise together as opposed to I'm standing in my ivory tower because I've maximized my profits and everybody's down, you know, scraping kernels out of the street, so to speak. And and like, yeah, look at like the everybody, how everybody, they're so mad at the rich people in the world. Like, Hey, the 1% don't care about us. I'm like, look, I want to be in the 1% as much as the next guy, but I want to be the 1% of the 1% that actually cares about everybody as well. Right. Like I'm like, shoveling everybody on my coattail saying let's all go to the top together like i don't want to be there alone like all of my i'm like let's go 
and and it's it's a hundred percent community and relationship based to me like we want empire toys to be the next big thing but we legit want everybody that's been there since day one to be there with us and we want more people to come join our little it's almost like a fan club like we want you to come join our fan club and hang out with us every day like you'll come to the store there's always people just hanging out not buying anything just hanging out they know our wives and our kids names and jameson will walk in and they're like what's up jay like they're just best friends and they're just customers but we've built that safe place yep. where they can come talk about nerd stuff and they're not look, looking like somebody's gonna make fun of me and, yep. you know what i mean and and so yeah it's um yeah it's, it really is all about the community that's kind of our where we've shifted now yeah i like that especially in the phone call world especially in the phone call world because there's a lot of shady people mm. in that that will make fake ones and they'll rip people off yeah and we're like we don't charge for appraisals when some places will and we're like, no, bring it in. Let us verify that your item's real yep. before you buy it. Like, because it's the, like, if, if that goes away and those people stop doing that, then we go away. Right. And I'm having too much fun right now doing this. I don't want to go away. So I'm like helping everybody out. Yeah. Focusing on the community. Yeah. It's hard to find places like that anymore. I mean, there's a couple, there's a couple really great businesses that when I know about them, I want to share because I feel like this community aspect is so lacking. So Empire Toys is definitely one that I have pointed people to when they're like, can you tell me about a good toy store or a good vintage store that got integrity and is a small business that we can support? I'm like, yes, this one right here, Empire Toys, Empire Toys, Empire Toys. The other one, um, which I was fortunate enough to be able to do a live podcast in prior to the pandemic and shutdown is Dapper Cafe in Bedford. I don't know, honestly, if they're able to stay open. I know they had to shut down temporarily, um, but that cafe is attached to a vintage store as well. And the two guys that own and run that place, uh, Ryan and Stanley, are fantastic integrity-driven guys, and they've built a little bit of a community there as well. In fact, I was thinking about you when I noticed this, and I went to go back, and it was not there because I didn't act on it, but in this is just a sidebar because I f- think you'd wow. be interested. They had a toy there. It was um, the InSync Celebrity. No, the InSync No Strings Attached dolls that they made, like oh, on the album. Gosh. They had a Justin yeah. Timberlake one in box that somebody had awesome. sold, but it was still like in the box. Like maybe his little the box a little crumble, but the doll itself was like fully intact, looked great. We've had one. I don't remember which guy we had. We had one come to the door one day, <laughs> and that's exactly the kind of stuff that like if you would have told. 20 year old collecting Matt that, Hey, one day you're going to be excited about an insane doll coming through the store. Like I've been like, we're going to fight right now. And now I'm like, Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. But I thought about, I'm like, Oh, I should go back. I was in the, I was in a hurry. I was passing through. And then I went back the next day and it was gone. Oh, that's what we tell people at empire all the time. Your famous last words. When you leave our stores, I'm going to come back for that. Yep. It's never worked out. Nobody has ever said that. Come back and that item. Right. Yep. And it's just, yeah. (laughs) I, I learned that the hard way too many times in my my collecting collecting career. I was like, now nah, I don't. I credit card it and figure out the rest out later. Right? Yeah. <laughs> As Tina Fey once said, "Say yes and then figure it out later." So, hundred yeah, percent. All right. Well, this has been awesome. I want to say so. We're gonna do the plugs and everything at the end. Um, but uh, but yeah. Well, I guess just go ahead. If folks are interested in Empire Toys. What's the best way for them to to get in touch with you? And then we can link back with the social media at the end. We are super active on social media. So there's two owners and we just hired a store manager that we all kind of frequent the social media. Uh, I personally think Instagram is the best. Sometimes we put stuff there that we don't put anywhere else. 
and that is at the underscore empire underscore toys. But the part that kind of like we talk about the communities, we have a Facebook group specifically for Empire Toys. Um, it kind of helps beat the algorithms and stuff. Uh, and we generally encourage people to join that Facebook group. Like we do a lot of specials. Like we just did our, uh, a brand new t-shirt for the store that we did the pre-order was only available in the group oh, and nice. everybody got it for $5 cheaper. So then we did that. So yeah, that's generally the Facebook group and then the Instagram. And then the website is theempiretoys.com. Perfect. And it's fairly new. I just rebuilt it. Nice. So um, there's not a lot of inventory on there, but it takes you to the social media and everything. I love that. Um, perfect. Uh, awesome. There's... um. I'm going to join that group. I am following everything. I did not know about the private group. I don't believe I'm in there. If I am in there, then the algorithms have gotten me and I've not seen it on my feed, but I don't think I'm in there. So I will join it as well. And we'll yeah. post the links as well. Um, I w Fun, yeah. We're going to pause for a moment. And I do want to let everyone know that today's sponsor of the podcast is Snuffy. Snuffy is a clothing brand about empowering you to show your weird unapologetically with bravery and confidence. 10% of profit goes to LGBTQ plus organizations led by trans people of color. Shop online now at snuffy.co. It's Snuffy, S-N-U-F-F-Y dot C-O. The owner and operator of it is good friend of the podcast, Nick Silvestri, who designed the Detox Podcast logos. So if you like it, you want to go support him, go check it out, Snuffy.co. All right. So, Matt, let's transition a little bit and talk about Mindfully Elite. So on the MindfullyElite.com site, uh, you talk about that your mission is to make sure that every athlete has the mental training needed to achieve all their goals um, you strive to train and prepare athletes of all sports to not only understand how their mental game can change their physical game, but to also attack adversity head on. So I want to start there, talk about the mission statement, talk about the importance for you to start Mindfully Elite, what drove you to start it, and then what is the current work that you're doing? Um, so that, you know, honestly, it was something that was kind of always in the back of my mind, um, I'd like to tell people when I talk about it, it's like, I can remember the exact moment my hockey career ended, mm -hmm. like the very exact moment. And it wasn't because I wasn't physically gifted and it wasn't because I was talented. It's because when the adversity punched me in the face, I was not ready to handle it. And I had a meltdown and you know, they get the black Sharpie and my name gets crossed off and I never recovered. Mm -hmm. And so it was, it, you know, I, I thought about like, how can we fix this? But I didn't really dive in until I was actually done with undergrad and then my son started playing hockey. And then I kind of start to see some of the same traits in him hmm. that, that I was kind of having when I was younger. And then he's also ADHD and dyslexic. So I started to do a lot of research trying to, cause it was like, okay, cool. Like we had the screaming and yelling coaches and it worked fine. I hate that idea, but it worked fine for us. Right. But my ADHD and dyslexic son, son is getting yelled at because they think he doesn't try hard. And really it's cause when they're drawing on the whiteboard, he had no idea what they were doing. Hmm. Yeah. And so I started doing a lot of research and uh, Jameson's mom and I started a website called the distracted athlete, where we kind of pulled all of the research I could find um, and put it in one place. So, so dyslexic kids could give their coach, Hey, here's a great website. You can learn better ways to teach me. Cause I want to learn. And then it kind of just, as that kind of kickstarted, I was like, man, I really love this sports psychology stuff. So actually, I know I have an undergrad in art. And I went back and got a master's degree in sports psychology and was kind of like, you know what, like, if we're going to do it, let's do it. Like, let's make sure that 
every kid has what they need let's do it let's be cost effective same thing with empire like let's have let's build a community yeah. around it like and then you know you know i grew up as a goalie right so we're a little bit, we're a little bit more loose cannon than anybody else and so then it was like okay let's really focus on goalies too because they're kind of struggling but they have to have this big powerful presence because if the team sees they're struggling the team doesn't want to play anymore so it was like let's let's give them all the tools they need and the avenue to talk if they just can't figure it out. Yeah. And that was kind of the, the basis of the whole thing. You know, you share a lot of fantastic articles about encouraging parents to be supportive sports parents. I mean, I think you and I both played on teams where there was a couple of players, parents, who thought they were the coaches in some instances. And it... I know from a locker room aspect, it just didn't exactly breed camaraderie all the time. And then especially just knowing the kids whose parents were like that, they did have that kind of tough demeanor because they felt like, I don't know, my perception was they felt like they couldn't let their guard down because they're, I mean, they're being yelled at, whether on the ice by the coach, off the ice by the parent. And so they have to do it. And then I don't, I mean, I, re, I remember seeing the day that one of them broke and then stopped playing and never came back. Yeah. I had a, so I also coach hockey as well. Right. So it's great. I, you know, I get to, I get to take all of these tactics that I preach about and pull it out of a one-on-one therapy type situation and, and put it into play as far as like culture building. Like I'm yes. huge on culture. And then a lot of that came from my, so I'm a, currently I'm a head coach, but my previous head coach job, it was miserable. I freaking hated every minute of it. I wanted to quit, but Jameson was on the team and I didn't want to set a bad example. And my assistant coach was like, don't leave me alone. These people are crazy. I was getting yelled at, like literally coming off the ice and just getting yelled at. And it's part of the problem that the parents didn't know how to handle themselves mentally as well. You know what I mean? They were struggling with the same things. Why isn't my kid doing this? I don't know how to, so with the new job, it was like, let's take everything I've learned and put it into play. Mm-hmm. And it's been the most incredible experience. The parents, they have, they have, I'm very vocal with everything. That's why I always share those things, yeah. and those articles, I'm like, read this, because this is why I'm doing what I'm doing. Right. It's for the betterment of the kid, the betterment of the athlete, but also the betterment of the parent. You need to know that it's okay to feel that way. It's also okay to just come ask me a question. Right. And I, and I can tell you why I do it. I can tell you how I'm going to continue to do it. And then now with all of my training and my education, I can tell you the science behind why I'm doing right. it. Right. Which I never was able to back that up. So people just thought I was crazy. And now I'm like, no, you know what I mean? And so it's honestly, it's made me a completely different coach. Yeah. Like just the coach I was three years ago versus now, you would never, I talked to other coaching friends. They're like, were you good cop or bad cop today? And I'm like, I've been good cop every practice, every game, the entire season. We don't have a bad cop in our program. That's awesome. And they're like, their minds are blown. Right. Because that's, that's not the way they were coached. Right. You know what I mean? And I'd like to say it's working because I took over a team that was next to last at the varsity level last year with three wins, and we just clinched the number three seed going into playoffs. That's badass. With ten wins. That's awesome. And I have to see, it's literally the exact same group of kids, maybe one or two different. That's awesome. That, yeah, so. that, that's The proof is in the pudding, right? I mean, that's that's it right there. And I think, I think back, yeah, you talk about – Hockey. And I was actually, we were starting to talk offline. I wanted to, to hold it and save it. And so there was a book, Blades of Glory, not to be confused with the Will Ferrell movie. There's a book, Blades of Glory, which was about a high school hockey program in Minnesota that it was written in the style of Friday Night Lights was oh. 
Friday Night Lights is great, just off tangent real quick. Yeah. Keep talking. I think I have that book, and I'm trying to see, like, hold on. <laughs> I've got it around here, too. It's like a red and white. Well, anyways, John Rosengren, who wrote the book, a previous guest on the on the podcast, was able to, to track him down and, and coax him to be on the show so I could talk about that book because – that I love that book. I consumed that book, read it to cover to cover so many times, and I identified with it in the good parts and the bad parts. And this is where I'm getting into it is like that. He wrote that book. It was in the late 90s, 99, 2000, I think was the season of the Jefferson, Bloomington Jefferson Jaguars um, in the Minnesota. And they were a championship, same thing with Friday Night Lights, championship winning team, then, you know, um, maybe less so, and then so following the trajectory of the team as some of these players are coming up in the senior year. And sure. I identified it in the one aspect because of the dedication and the paying your dues and getting to varsity and wanting to win the championship and all of those things, but then also identifying with the like mind games that folks play. Yeah. And like the coach was like a hard-nosed coach, and they talk about the culture and he's having to cut kids because parents were giving him grief. And he's like, this is my team. This is what I got to do. And right or wrong, that was just, that was the way it was. And that was the way that he coached. But you talk about these players who are, you know, they're, the mental strain is so much that they're dipping into substance abuse. So that way they can yeah. deal with it. And it's, nobody is talking. The point of all of this that, that I got into a little bit with John when we were talking about the book is that nobody was talking about the mental health of it all, the psychology of it all, because I remember during that time, um, my dad worked with has worked with FC Dallas since MLS started, and they brought in a sports psychologist around that time, and it, he was almost viewed as like, ooh, if somebody's talking to the sports psychologist, that's taboo, and that means like you can't trust them. They're not, you know, they're violating the team trust by talking to the sports psychologist. Was the was the the like unspoken subtext around everything. However, now that as society, we've started having more of a push towards talking about mental health, normalizing therapy, normalizing sports psychologists, and having these conversations about making sure that we as individuals are set up for success so we can feed into that community aspect, you're starting to see a shift in a more of a positive embrace of that. So turning it back around to the work that you're doing, how has how have people received your discussions around mental health and psychology and the psyche of an athlete in ways that you probably, and like comparing that with what you would have thought as you were growing up or knew other folks going, going through sports uh, when we were in high school? Yeah, no, that's uh that's great. You know, so far it's gone over well. I will say that like, it's this, it's very, very new and what, it's very new in what I'm doing because it's a new job field, but it's also such a new company that I'm, I'm just getting started. But yeah, no, um, I often think about that. Like when I was younger, how would it have gone if I would have said, Hey, I want to talk to somebody, but I'm not depressed. Right. I'm mentally fine in everyday life. But the minute I cross the threshold to the ice, my anxiety takes me through the roof and my confidence goes down and I'm worried that I'm going to give up three goals on five shots and I'm going to get yanked. So then of course I give up four goals on five shots and I get yanked right. and I don't know how to battle back through that. And so I think once we've kind of got past the stigma a little bit that like, Hey, it's okay to struggle mentally in sport. It has nothing, no bearing on what you're doing in real life. Like every kid I've dealt with so far, they're just incredible human beings off the ice, but on the ice, they're just, they can't quite figure it out. And it's always confidence-based. Yep. 
And so a lot of what we do is how do we fix that confidence? Cause coach might've shit on him once or twice. Uh, it's more teammates yeah. lately than anything, which brings it all back to culture, right? Yeah. Like that's not okay, but it's been great. I work with a junior A team in Wisconsin as, and I, so when I go up there, the, the first few days, they were kind of all standoffish, right? Cause they're big, tough junior hockey players. Yeah. And then the, all it takes is the big tough guy to come start asking questions because he's worried about trying to get a college scholarship for next year. Yeah. And he's like, my ice time's going down because I'm making mistakes. It's the snowball effect. Help me stop that snowball. Yeah. Like, done. Let's do that. And then once he figured it out, then of course everybody's like, okay, hey, it's it's okay to go talk to that guy. Right. Like he's a coach. He gets it. Yeah. So I don't I don't ever call myself a sports psychologist. I don't I tell people if they're like, what do you do? I'm like, I'm a mental performance coach. Mm, I like that. All of my athletes call me coach Matt. Like they need to just look at me like no different than if they came up and said, Hey, I'm not a hundred percent sure what I'm supposed to do on the power play. Right. Like it needs to be that level of relationship or I don't think they ever really take it all in. Yep. You know what I mean? Yep. And right now I'm working with a lot of goalies just cause we can relate on a personal level yeah. because everything they're going through i've been through it and i can tell them hey i went through it and i failed let me help you prevent that let's let's figure out some sort of coping mechanism for what you're dealing with so we can stop that right where it is and then you can flourish and be the the athlete that you know you can be right so it's exciting man it's been fun it's different yeah it's you think you know something and then a kid comes up and fires off a question and you're like well hold on dig deep I got to figure this one out. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. I love that. Well, as we're wrapping up this part of the show, is there one last thing you want folks to to think about as it relates to mental performance in athletes? Yes. Um, again, it's okay to talk. I want every athlete to just tell mom and dad, hey, I'm struggling confidence-wise. And then the one big thing that we're leaning on now is a lot of mindfulness training. Like, mm straight Buddhism style breathing mindfulness to help kids get in the zone a little quicker. Yep. We call it achieve there. We want to achieve flow state at a more regular pace, yep. which is you, I'm sure you can think about it from when you played. It's like, sometimes the game just gets really slow yeah. and you feel like I'm three strides ahead of everybody else. Yep. And that's when you're not thinking and you're not stressed yep. and you're relaxed. And so we've been preaching a lot of mindfulness stuff at home to do that. So even if you don't have the opportunity to talk to me all the time, you can practice that stuff. And then we do um, a huge amount of visual visual training because the brain essentially works as a computer. We can trick our brain, right? Like we can run ourselves through the same scenario visually. And then what happens in real life, the brain's like, I've already been through this so many times knowing that we've never actually been through right. it. And so I've been preaching that with a lot of like my young kids, like my freshmen on my varsity team, I'm like, hey, let's start doing this now because you're still going to struggle. It's going to take two or three years. But by the time you're a senior on varsity, your brain is going to have seen every single thing. And so we give them key talking points when they're thinking about it. I want you to go before the next game. Think about this. Yep. Visualize this so we can kind of prepare them because not everybody has the means to talk to me three times a week. Right. And that doesn't help the community. Yep. Right. Like it's what it boils it back down to this community. Like we got to give the kids something that they can do if they can't be around me all the time. I love that community community has been, I mean, give it back to the community or giving back to the community. That's what this episode is all about. That might be the name of the episode actually. 
Nice. Because that's what it's, uh, it's unintentionally kind of been everything I do. Yeah. Like it's, it's not, I never have started anything saying this is for the community. It's always for very selfish reasons, but then it just naturally gets to that. Maybe it's because we have a team sport background and we never really did anything alone. Right. But yeah, everything I do now, I'm like, okay, what kind of community can we get involved with this? What can we build? How can we change lives with doing this, but still have fun doing it? So, yeah. You know, it's so interesting too, because you bring up the team sport aspect. And then when I think about, especially stuff that I'm working on now and my in day-to-day work, you know, I think about, I love being part of a high performing collaborative and efficient and good natured team. And yeah. people talk about, well, did you play sports? And I go, yes, I did play sports. My undergrad degrees in theater. So I was never in a situation where I wasn't part of some type of a community that relied on each other to ex- excel. And sure. sure. There was individuals that were better than others. I was definitely by no means the star, but I was definitely someone that was there second line, third line that was grinding it out and, you know, bringing everybody together. And that's, and that's what I love to do. So it's, it, these types of skills feed into what we continue to do in our lives, whether we're building businesses, whether we're working, you know, in corporate America, whatever we're doing, it still is part of who we are and is baked into our, our DNA and is, and when, I think when we recognize that, right, I think it's one thing to just do it. And then another thing, when we recognize it and kind of lean in and double down on it, then we're able to maximize those skills that we learn. So I love it. Sure. All right. I want to ask you a question. Sure. Though. Yeah, go ahead. Um, the, you're, so the real job, obviously I know everything that you do and stuff. Mm-hmm. It's fantastic. Um, the group you work with, do you lead the group? Are you like the supervisor? Are you in charge of this or like, are you the leader? The, I, I want to know. So I want to pick your, brain. yeah, no. So I'm not, I'm not the leader. Um, I am, uh, I am somebody that I, I would say you tying it back to sports. I'm like a point guard. So I'm, okay. I'm being able to see the big picture. I'm passing the ball and I'm calling the plays in a lot of scenarios and I'm making sure that the people who are, running in, getting the dunks, shooting the three pointers or have a clear path to be able to do that. So, so you essentially have a coach passing things to you. Yes. You're spreading it out. Yes. Okay. Um, when you do all of this, do you say, this is what we're doing? Or do you say, what do you guys think? Do you, I want to know how you include, cause you're such an inclusive guy and that's like what you stand for is inclusive. Right. right? Yep. I want to know, like in the decision-making process, do you include the whole team involved? Yes. Often, okay. often what I do, I did, yeah. but I wanted to hear you say <laughs> no, yeah, no, it's yeah. good. It was a good test. No, I, I will bring a lot of ideas. And what I like to do is I like to get a rough outline of what the ask is and what my thoughts are. And so typically I will present the ask and I will kind of lay out for a bit, get gut reactions. And if things yeah. are starting to maybe stall out or maybe there is minimal gut reactions, I'll provide my thoughts and just kind of chip in and say, you know, I want this to be a dialogue. I want us to contribute. I want to know what others are thinking. And I would say oftentimes, maybe one thing that I think is what stays and the rest of the project or the rest of the work is shaped by the rest of the group. And everybody, I would say, has an equal contribution to the work. And then what I feel that that does is it makes everyone ha- feel a sense of ownership to it. And then everybody kind of picks it up and runs with it. Yeah. Yeah. No. So that's a, uh, that's been the biggest change in me as a leader. 
And so the, the fancy terms are democratic versus autocratic, right? right? Like you're very much a democratic leader. You want everybody to feel involved, but most sports coaches aren't that. Yeah, It is my way or the highway. And I'm sure you had a coach tell you that. I yes. said it before the coach. And my whole shift in leadership was like, instead of saying that, what if I said, hey, what do you guys think? And so like, for instance, my practice is the first five minutes of practice is free time. The next five minutes is captain led practice. My captain gets to pick what he wants to run. And he's like, coach, we sucked at this last game. Let's do this. And I'm like, okay. And we let him run it. And then we take the drill that they kind of organically create and flush it out with our knowledge. And that's the next drill that we do. Okay. That. that was fantastic guys. Let's, but let's build on, let's add this, let's add this. And my assistant coach's job is to kind of pick the kids' brains. Like, what's different this year? And they all say the same thing. Like, we feel more involved. Hmm. Like, most people look at young kids and they're like, a kid's 15 years old. He doesn't know what he's talking about. He probably doesn't know what he's talking about, but he thinks he does. Yep. He wants somebody to listen. Yes. And so I love that you're doing that. Because I, I had a great idea that that was pretty much probably how you were <laughs> as a leader. But I don't know if maybe your listeners knew that. Right. And so we can, I feel... Like we'd be missed if we had this conversation and didn't bring that up because I think that's, that's how I teach in the classroom. That's how I do all of coaching. That's how empires ran with our staff. I think anything I do for the rest of my life is probably going to be like, let's sit down and have a meeting and talk about it. Then let's make a plan. Yeah. I like that. Well, and it's, it's more of, um, it's, it ties back in that community aspect, right? And so when people feel heard, feel validated, feel that they are a part of it, to quote the great piebald band, hey, you're part of it, um, then yeah. everybody feels excited to contribute. If it's just this is what we're doing, you know, like, oh, I had a coach tell me, like, what was it? Oh, it was awful. It's definitely not 2021 appropriate, but it was something, <laughs> it was something to the effect of, like, look, this is what we're doing sack up or get out right yep. nut up or nut yep. out or well that's I not hear quite that a lot I hear, uh, yeah we hear that a lot when we hear i nothing frustrates me more than when coaches are like if you don't do it this way i'm just gonna cut you right out kids terrified yeah but and that's that you know like to kind of bring it back to mindfully elite if you look at the services that we offer a lot of it is coaching re-education let me just teach you different delivery methods i don't want to teach you how to coach you, you, you run your X's and O's and do it. Let me teach you, instead of saying, I'm going to cut you because you're not trying hard. Let me teach you how to have a conversation with the kid and say, I'm a little frustrated because I feel like your effort's not there. What's wrong? Yeah. Okay. Can, can we, is there something we can do? Are you mad at me? Like, am I not getting my point across to you? Like, I don't want to bench you. Right. You're here because I trust you. Um, there's a, I listened to a, a lot of podcasts, obviously. There was a great one with the, uh, it was a, um, not so much a mental coach, but he was kind of like, um, it's kind of hard to explain what he did. He was more of just, I think he just called himself a culture coach. Sure. And he was talking about how Pete Carroll with the Seattle Seahawks, because he's like the number one guy when it comes to thinking about mental side of things in sport. Like he, right. he's ahead of the curve. And he was, this guy was like, I love the culture there. I was there. I spent a month there because I wanted to learn. And this rookie kept messing up. And he just kept messing up every like dropping the ball, dropping the ball. And it was one after another. And you could see the guy getting frustrated and he goes, every other camp I went in coach would just send him to the sideline, bring up the next kid. And he never got a chance again. And he's like, Pete Carroll stops everything says, Hey man, we trust you. We brought you here for a reason. We want you here. Everybody here loves you. Everybody here wants to see you succeed. I don't know what's going on in your head right now, but nobody's mad at you. And then the guy was like, and then it was an incredible shift. He was just kind of relaxed. and was like, 
I'm, there is no threat. There's always a threat of getting cut, right. first of all. But he felt like there was no threat, and he got to relax. And the guy was like, dude, it was incredible. It was like He turned into this all-pro player in a week. Yeah. And so I think as leaders, we have to always think about that. Yes. In a nutshell. You know what I mean? Whether it's yeah. business, sport, family life, yep. that's been a hard shift. I'm sure you can relate. Yes. Like, because I, I want to be the stern dad. But like, well, this isn't going to work. Right. I know for a fact this isn't going to work. But I'm still screaming and yelling like a maniac. Like, so it's, a, yeah. it's tough. But I tell you what, yeah. if I had had a coach approach practice and, and structure like you're talking about, I probably would have stayed with hockey after I graduated. I, I mean, it, I oh. feel like I had an okay career for as short as it was. I think if I would have, and I'm not trying to toot my own horn because sure. I'm all about humility, but I think if, and I don't get me wrong, I loved my my senior year of coach. I still to this day will tell you he's probably the worst coach I ever had systematically. But as far as leadership, he was a military guy. So like he could walk in here right now and be like, do 50 push-ups. And I'm like, I'm 37 with busted knees and hips, but I'm gonna knock them out. Yeah. Um, but I, I often think about like, man, I wonder what would have happened if if I would have had somebody running things the way I'm kind of running things, yeah. right? I had that little bit of freedom to kind of be creative in how I take my game to the next level. I always wonder like. I know for a fact I wouldn't have had my meltdown where I tell you my career ended like I, that moment wouldn't have been there, yeah. which then makes me wonder like, well, hell, what, you know what I mean? Wonder what would have happened. What, but yeah, we can play the what if thing with no, just I know. about anything. I know. Well, yeah. well, I will tell you so that way you don't have to toot your own horn, but I will say you were a fantastic goalie. Um, I was, <laughs> I uh, was nervous anytime I had to play against you. Um, I had to make sure everybody felt that right. way. <laughs> You just had, I don't know, to me, you, you seemed unstoppable. So it, uh, it worked, I would say whatever, whatever you were doing at the time, pro- probably could have been better, but it still was good. So anyways, I, I, wish, I would, wish I told you I was doing a bunch of crazy things, but I might've been a pretty lazy player. I don't know. <laughs> Fair enough. All right. Well, this has been fantastic. We're going to move to the next part of the show, which is things to check out. It is where I give a recommendation of something I'm reading and something I'm listening to. And I ask my guests to do the same. So I will go first. Um, since we're on the topic of sports, I will go ahead. And the thing uh, I am reading, or I guess maybe rereading for the umpth team time that I will recommend is Blades of Glory by John Rosengren. So if you haven't gotten it and you're intrigued, uh, go ahead, purchase the book. Um, Also go back in the archives just a couple months ago and listen to the episode featuring John. He's fantastic. And it was awesome to get to pick his brain about how he followed the team around in the 99, 2098, 99 season uh, and wrote about it and wrote about the personal life. So if you like Friday Night Lights, you're definitely going to like Blades of Glory. And then the podcast that I'm currently listening to, um, well, I guess it's constant. It releases every day of the week, the Total Soccer Show. So that is a show. I'm a huge soccer fan. And so, and you've got a a soccer shirt on as well. And... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and so I uh, I will let you know that if you like any soccer, whether it's MLS, whether it's Premier League, Bundesliga, the national team, whatever, they cover it. And so what I typically do is I will dip in and out of U.S. national team and MLS coverage, but they cover it all. So uh, definitely go check them out and subscribe. I think you won't be disappointed. So, uh, Matt, who are you reading and who are you listening to? Um, Let's see. My stack of books is pretty outrageous. I'm so behind. Like, you know, when you feel behind on reading, yeah. you're like, it's like a daunting task. Like there's like 12 books I need to read. Uh, right now I'm in the middle of reading. It's called the mindful athlete. It is the, um, I'll, I'll call him. It's the mental performance coach from 
the Michael Jordan era Chicago Bulls. Oh, he brought okay. in the, the just pure like he was he was trained in Buddhism and he brought in the purest aspect of Zen breathing and mindfulness to Jordan and the Bulls. And so it's a great I'm only about halfway through, but it's been pretty uh it's been pretty fantastic for everything that I want to do. Um so far my all-time favorite, everything like we go through different spurts of like what you're reading, right? Like I'm super into obviously the mental side of stuff, but um, the thing that kind of kickstarted it all for me is a book called 90% Mental Ooh. written by Bob Tewksbury. He played major league baseball for like 15 years, I think. Uh, he was a starting pitcher and he was a all-star and every single game he pitched, he thought he was the worst pitcher on the planet and thought he was going to get cut the next day. And he is now a sports psychologist that only deals with major league pitchers. So it's cool to read how he takes, this is what I went through. This is what they're going through. Here's what I wish I would have known. And then how he applies it. And so that one, that was one of those real quick, like front to front to back for me, like in one sitting, like, Oh man, I just wasted a whole day. I always say wasted. I just spent the whole day reading a single book, but that's awesome. um, Yeah. My podcast stuff is kind of, all up, out, all over the place, <laughs> including yours. I missed the one with um, Blades of Glory, though. I am going to go back and listen to that. Definitely, one. definitely do so. John is fantastic, um, and gave me grief because uh, I was talking about yeah, hockey in Texas is pretty crazy too. And he's like, "Stop, stop talking. What are you talking about? It's not. Uh, no, no, no. You haven't been up here in Minnesota to understand." what what we deal with here and i was like well have you seen football down here and you know then we're just going back and forth and he's like it's i've seen friday night lights and i've seen minnesota high school hockey and i watched the state tournament when i lived in minnesota for a bit and they sold out the excel center which is where the minnesota wild yes i was like there's twenty thousand people watching the semi-final nobody was the quarterfinals i was like (laughs) what but no i'm so i'm relatively new in the whole podcast thing like I, i'm behind the behind the curve a little bit listening so i'm finding new ones every day but the um the one i listen to the most is finding mastery which is a sports psychology podcast with the uh uh the sports psychologist for the seattle seahawks nice but then i'm like i'm that guy i'm i'm listening to freaking dax shepherd oh yep and oh rogan yep and then i'm i don't you're a tv guy too i know I love Scrubs. It's like one of my favorite TV shows of all time. And the Fake Doctors Real Friends podcast gets me belly laughing every day. <laughs> Those two dudes rewatching Scrubs. And it's that's what I put on thinking it's going to be just background noise while I work. And instead, I'm like hyper intensely focused, like just cracking up yeah. every time. So, yeah, that's, I love it. That's pretty. And then art, I'm an artist as well. So, I, my art books are nonstop for me. I love that. And then also, I just thought of this because you were talking about. Uh, new in the podcast game American Prodigy is a good series it they just did a, a feature on Freddie Adu so Freddie Adu oh, yeah, yeah. yeah so they did a deep dive he never gives interviews he never gives interviews he gave no, I, yeah. gave an interview for this and and they're doing another season of American Prodigies and I don't remember who they're featuring but it's it's a different athlete so yeah. that's going to be coming out mm, later this year I believe so definitely yeah. I recommend it. but I'm still like um like a documentary guy these days but it's all sports stuff yes. like i'm so fascinated with like, the inner workings of a locker room and what goes on behind like because we don't get to see that stuff. yes so i'm like exactly especially football like the fact that one coach can keep 52 grown-ass men 
in the same mindset. I'm like, I don't know how you do that. I'm curious, yeah. but I watch yeah. a lot of soccer ones because it's the same thing. Right. Like a bunch it. of different cultures coming together. I'm like, how do you make this work? Right. I'm curious. It's good. It's good. The uh, Sunderland Till I Die documentary is fantastic on Netflix yeah. as well. But anyways, yeah. but I digress. So we're going to move into the final part of the show. It's a dad joke of the week. It's a segment where I hurl dad jokes at my unsuspecting guest in an attempt to get them to laugh while the audience groans, but I can't hear the audience. I can only hear my guests, so it works out. But I do like to put my guest on the spot. Matt, do you have any jokes that you would like to offer up today? Man, my kid had one, and I don't remember what it was, but it was semi-inappropriate, and his mom was like, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard, <laughs> and it made me laugh and it was the dad joke of all dad jokes and i wish i could remember it i might go get him and say hey come tell me this joke it's all good well matt first of all i wanted to tell you that i was gonna go on a diet but i feel like i have way too much on my plate right now <laughs> food it's a food joke all right um <laughs> dad jokes are the best. they're great uh matt yeah. what did the uh the drummer call his twin daughters his twin daughters and a one and a two <laughs> all right last one so, i'm like borderline embarrassed because i'm laughing at these <laughs> they're so bad they're so bad all right last one is i got a star wars one for you so how did darth vader how did darth vader know what luke got him for christmas he no felt his presence he felt his presence <laughs> and he felt his presence. All right, all right, all right. It's so bad. All right, well, Matt. It's, it's so bad, so great. If you, if you can go ahead and remind people, if they want to follow you and see what you're up to, what is the best way for them to do that? Um, so I am an Instagram whore. <laughs> I have one for everything. You can follow me at, at Matt underscore Hauk, H O U K. You can follow Empire at, at the underscore Empire underscore Toys. And you can follow Mindfully Elite, which has like three posts because I forget to do it at, I think it's just at Mindfully Elite. Yeah. Perfect. We will. And then they all have the websites for everything are in the bios and stuff. But Instagram is probably the go-to. My personal Instagram is great because it's sports, art, toys, and sports psychology. All in, <laughs> all in one place. <laughs> I love it. Well, Matt, thank you so much for stopping by the podcast. This has I'm been treat. finally made this work, man. I agree and we're gonna do it again i promise i'm saying it here it's yeah. on the record i am excited I'm in. and when covid shuts down i am gonna yeah, come we're not doing it face to face yes exactly That's, yeah. exactly hopefully soon yes yes seriously oh my goodness yeah. all right well listeners you've been listening to the detox podcast and detoxing with detox now go and make a more inclusive world if you know of an interesting person or story that needs to be told, please reach out to me at detoxpodcast at gmail.com. That's D-T-A-L-K-S podcast at gmail.com. You can also reach out via Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at detoxpodcast or visit detoxpodcast.com. Also, be sure to leave us a five-star rating on iTunes if you like the show. It only takes a few seconds and it really helps us out. Link is in the show notes. Finally, thanks for listening. Please come back next week when we'll have another interesting conversation. And special thanks to my producers, Ben Lawant and Galan Aldaco. Without your help and support, this show wouldn't be possible. Thanks so much, guys. Detox is a production of Vocal. For more information and more programming, please visit vocalnow.com. That's V-O-K-A-L-N-O-W.com.